Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. I'm so impressed by how many people are awake, and I'm going to see if I can change that this morning. So I hope you're ready. Uh, let's begin with a prayer. Uh, dear Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, my fa- Father, I thank you for the last few weeks of just study and prep time for me. I, I pray that um, as I worshiped you in that, that you would just speak that out through me today, that your spirit would be speaking in me, and that your spirit would be here and present and speaking in all of us. I pray that we would be a church that would model righteousness for future generations, and I pray that this sermon would help us along that path. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm very excited this morning. Um, we're doing a Prezi, and if you don't know what a Prezi is, it's really cool. Um, woo. So there's going to there's gonna be a lot of that as we go. Um, if you know what it is, you're probably like, Matt, this is kind of gimmicky, but that's okay. Uh, But today we are talking about modeling righteousness for future generations. Um, And this, uh, in the the next month, Dan is going to be talking about our discipleship pathway from the pulpit every week. And we're going to be talking about what's been a two-year journey for the church of thinking through and building this disciple-making culture that we're going to be moving towards and hopefully intentionally moving into in coming years. And so I'm excited today because I get to kind of lead off on it, talking about how we can model a righteous culture from the book of Proverbs. And and I also want to tell you, when Jess and I first heard about Springbrook and in the interview process, um, we were excited about a lot of things that seemed like a great fit all around. Okay. Can I just put it in my pocket? Okay. Thank you. Did you guys hear all that or did I have to start over? So I'm just going to keep going. I think you heard it. Um, but Jess and I were so excited when we heard about it because the, the reality of building a righteous culture and building a disciple-making culture, it's, it's something that to do it right, it has to be intentional. And so when Springbrook, when Dan and Rich talked to us about a pathway and an intentional model our, our response was, this is a church we want to be at. This is a church we want to do ministry at. This is a church where we want to raise up young people knowing that their parents are being intentionally poured into the same way we're hoping to intentionally pour into the kids. And so we're going to be in Proverbs today. And uh, before we jump into Proverbs 28 and 29, I do have to give some uh, little notes because it's hard to preach out of Proverbs. Um, uh-oh. Okay, there we go. All right. So the first thing we have to note is that the book of Proverbs, it's in the Old Testament. It's a collection of sayings, mostly from Solomon, but also from others. Um, and the, the big idea of Proverbs is what does it look like to rightly live in God's world? Um, Proverbs comes, of course, before the cross, and it's a, it's a talk about wisdom and on how to be wise. And it's something that we can apply in very many ways, but, but there are a few things we have to make note of before we jump in. And the first is that Proverbs are principles, not promises. So as we go through this today, what's important to note is that as we talk about these principles, um, there, there are going to be things where it might sound like a promise. If you discipline your child, in the end they'll give you rest. They'll make your heart glad. But it's a, it's a principle. You should discipline your child so that hopefully they will give your heart rest. They will make you glad. But it's not a promise because we live in a wicked and fallen world. 
And so the reality is that the person on the other end cannot respond righteously. But, but so we need to start there. These are principles we're talking about today. Uh, we also need to make a note that righteous in Proverbs does not connect to salvation. Wicked does not connect to eternal damnation. I'm going to say the words righteous and the words wicked a lot today. And when I say those, um, we're talking about the wicked ignore or refuse the path of wisdom. The righteous find and follow the path of wisdom. And so the big idea here is when I say righteous, I'm not saying earning your way to heaven. When I say wicked, I'm not saying if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. What, I, what I'm talking about is as we, if you're a believer here this morning and you've accepted the free gift that Christ has given, inside of that gift you can choose to live righteously by the standards of Proverbs or wickedly by the standards of Proverbs. Um, and this is very important to note because as we talk about discipleship, we, we have to think about the fact that we are modeling discipleship no matter what we are doing. Um, and, and discipleship is not, uh, in, when we think about in Christian terms, we think about discipleship as a good thing. Um, but when, when, we're, when we're acting negative, we're modeling negative things and we're discipling those around us in a negative way. So if we're not intentional, we're going to be modeling wickedness. And so we want to be intentionally modeling righteousness, finding and following the path of wisdom. And so the righteous and wicked, as we talk today, are going to provide a contrast that helps us discern how to rightly live. Ooh, right? Right? This is pretty. Just wait. Um, so the big question, am I modeling righteousness? Do my actions show others a path worth walking down? But when we're in Proverbs 28 and 29, we can't just ask those questions. We have to add to this, in my modeling wickedness, do my actions lead others down a destructive path? The theme of Proverbs 28 and 29, as we'll see, is the righteous are going to rise or the wicked are going to rise. Which are you helping rise? So, ooh, I'll quit making that sound now. Um, but so this is Proverbs 28 and 9. This is in uh, your handout. Um, So there are a large number of verses. There's 28 verses in chapter 28 and 27 verses in chapter 29. Um, And I'm not going to read all of them today, but I'm going to show you there are some very clear boundaries. And inside of each of these boundaries are units of thought that form kind of an ancient flow chart for what it looks like to righteously disciple or to wickedly disciple. Um, And so Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee when no one pursues. The righteous are bold as a lion. Proverbs 28.12, whenever the righteous triumph, there is great glory. When the wicked rise, people hide themselves. Proverbs 28.28, when the wicked rise, people hide themselves. When they perish, the righteous increase. Proverbs 29.2, when the righteous increase, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. Proverbs 29.16, when the wicked increase, transgression increases. Proverbs... Uh, the righteous will look upon their downfall. Proverbs 29:27. An unjust man is an abomination to the righteous. Uh, one whose way is straight is an abomination to the wicked. Hopefully you can see that there's a very clear theme here happening from that. Um, and so now we're going to look at each of these units and see what the unit tells us about discipleship. And, and it's a foundational thing where they're going to build on each other. And so we start with Proverbs 28:1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the bold are... Uh, the righteous are bold as a lion. And then 28.12, when the righteous triumph, there's great glory. But when the wicked rise, people hide themselves. And in the middle, 28.2 through 11, I'm not going to read all this, but um, 
you can see all of these verses, there's a theme happening. And I'm just going to draw out the points of the theme. Um, the first verse of the theme gives us a good idea here. When a land transgresses, it has many rulers. But with a man of understanding and knowledge, its stability will long continue. Um, the biggest theme in this unit is the idea of the law. Um, and we, again, we're in Proverbs, so we have to talk about um, how we define words like the law. Um, because when we say law, I don't know about you, but when I hear law, it has kind of a negative or at least like a rule-following connotation. And it, it can sound kind of, oh, are you, are you following every law? And we think about the Old Testament, the first five books full of the law. Um, but the idea of the law here, law equals the word Torah, um, which is a Hebrew word. And in the Hebrew, this gets translated as the word law because it was translated into the Greek namos, which means law. And then we translate it into the English as law. Um, but, but the way that this word would have been used in their context, um, Torah essentially refers to the principles and teaching that God has revealed in his word. That's a modern application. For them, it would have been really Genesis through Deuteronomy. The, and Genesis through Deuteronomy aren't just a series of rules, but it's a narrative. And the goal is to give you an idea of who this God is we should follow and the principles to follow him. Uh, when we see law and Proverbs, we need to think God's revealed truth in the whole Torah. And then understanding the Torah means more than following rules, but instead understanding the reason the law is right to follow. The, the big idea here, um, we, we got to spend a lot of time with my nieces this last week, and probably every... 30 minutes or so, my sister would say something like, don't do that, you'll hurt yourself. Um, and, and I think, you know, like if you think of like a young person that, that goes to touch a hot stove and the parents say, don't touch that, you'll burn your hands. Parents, when you say that, is your goal to stop them one time from touching a hot stove? Or is, yeah, I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully your goal is, hey, never touch a hot stove. You'll hurt your hand. And hopefully the principle isn't don't touch hot stoves because you aren't allowed to touch them, but hey, don't hurt yourself, right? Like, I mean, the, the principle's bigger than the idea of, hey, don't just do that. The bit, there's a bigger principle in mind. And so when we talk about law and Proverbs, it's an understanding of the teachings and principles that God has revealed. And so with that in mind, the other major theme in this section is understanding and knowledge. And, and the big idea comes out, understanding the law. Um, the, the big idea of this first unit is that. It's understanding, and this understanding is understanding built on God's word. Now, I want to tell you all um, one thing that can be kind of intimidating when you hear this is, okay, do I, do I have to know everything in this book? And I would answer that with no. You're never going to know everything in here. We're never going to know everything in here. I don't, I don't think anyone gets to the end of their life and says, I got the Bible figured out. But what hopefully happens is we begin to understand that this should be our starting point. That's what the understanding this is talking about is. It's not saying you know everything here, but it's understanding I should weigh my decisions. The best principles and teachings are going to start from this point. The wicked are going to hear this and say, my path is the right one for me. They don't want to jump on this path. They don't want understanding of another path. But the righteous are going to hear this and they'll ask, what is the path I should walk? The righteous are going to hear this and they're going to say, how can I further my understanding? What should my understanding be built upon? So that's our first idea. Next we come, we've got Proverbs 28.12 and then on the other side, Proverbs 28.28. When the wicked rise, people hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. And then in, in the middle, we've got all these verses. 
And the big idea here, you can actually see it in the, but when the wicked rise, people hide themselves. And then at the bottom, when the wicked rise, people hide themselves. The, the big theme here is an idea, the wicked, and you can't read that at all, but the wicked conceal. Um, transgression means sin. And, and the, the ri- wicked are those that they hide their sin. They harden their hearts. Uh, down towards the bottom of this unit, it says, whoever robs his father and mother and says there is no transgression here is a companion of a man who destroys. The, the wicked is the one who doesn't consider their sin, sin. The, the wicked person may also in this instance have a right understanding. They may understand that this is the source of all knowledge or where knowledge begins from. But even if they think that, they're unwilling to act on it. On, on the flip side, the, the righteous are the ones who, when they sin, they confess and forsake their sin. The one who fears the Lord and the one who walks in integrity. The, the big idea of this unit is integrity. The, the wicked is the one who conceals. The righteous is the one who confesses and forsakes. And so we've, we've got this idea of integrity here. And, and I need to note, again, we're in Proverbs. Um, in Proverbs, um, when we talk about integrity, you may hear this as a personal moral code. Um, but in Proverbs, it is a moral code and there's only one of them. And do you know what it's built on? Understanding. It's the, so the, the understanding is first and then after it is integrity. And so this is an integrity that is, is informed and lived out consistently, but because of the understanding. The, the wicked hear this and they're going to say, just focus on what I'm doing well. The, the wicked hear this and say, okay, I get it, but do you see all the good I'm doing already? Well, well the righteous, they're going to hear this and ask, where is sin compromising my character? I, I have an opportunity to meet with a lot of uh, students, and there were a couple guys I was meeting with on a Friday. And as we talked, um, I was talking to them about, um, hey, have you been in the Word this week? And something that came out of the talk was I was really challenging them. Why haven't you been in the Word all week? Because they'd been talking about, well, I haven't really been in the Word. And as we talked, one of the things that came out of the talk was I was asking them this integrity question. But there was a point in our talk where I just said, kind of out of frustration, um, why should you read the Bible? And, and all of a sudden, we weren't talking about integrity anymore. We were talking about understanding. And, and what came out of it was they weren't quite sure why. And so then we went back and we built the understanding, and that's led to integrity. It's been really cool to see how these guys over break. They're, they get to sleep in as long as they want, I think. I don't know. Um, probably. But, but they're all spending time in the Word, and that integrity is built on understanding. So it's after this verse, um, we've got, there's, it's kind of an interesting thing. Proverbs 29.2, when the righteous increase, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people groan. And in the middle here, we just have one verse. We've had these big sections so far, and now we just have one verse. And this verse is, He who is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck, will suddenly be broken beyond healing. And the idea here, this is a warning. Um, in, in Hebrew literature, especially at this time, there was, uh, they would f- make units of things where in the center you would have this idea, and things before and after were built on a central idea. And the central idea of this passage is a warning. And the warning here is a warning when it, uh, he who is often reproved, he who hears, hey, you're not doing this very well, and yet stiffens his what neck, that's a going, nah, I'm, I'm doing fine. 
will suddenly be broken beyond healing. If you're hearing this, I want, I want to encourage you. If, if today you hear all of what we're talking about and think, I don't need to change. You're on a path that leads to wickedness. Intentional or not, that's the path that you are on. If you hear this and decide to wait for later and say, well, okay, I get, I get what you're saying, but I'm good for now. You may suddenly find yourself unable to change. That's the big idea of that verse. And, and it's right there in the middle. You hear understanding and then integrity. And then here's a warning. If your understanding shot, fix it now. If your integrity shot, don't wait for later to fix it. And, and now we move back into the text. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. Then on the other side, 29.16. When the wicked increase, transgression increases. But the righteous will look upon their downfall. And then in the middle, we've got these verses. And, and the first verse says, He who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but a, a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. Now, now the idea of this first verse is... Um, if you go back to Proverbs 9, there's a story of the um, Lady Wisdom is calling out in the street. She's calling out for all and saying, come here. She's set the table. It's this beautiful feast, and it's a, it's a lifelong thing. And on one side, you have her. And then on the other side of the street, you have these ladies of the night, and these ladies are calling out and saying, don't worry about her. Come over here. It's going to be a lot more fun. Come on over. And so this unit, we're, we're seeing there's a he who loves wisdom or the other side of it, it's the one who flatters, the, the evil person, the person who pursues fleeting things. The, the big idea of this unit is pursuit. Um, so we've got understanding and our understanding should start here or start with this as our base and then our integrity. And now we talk about pursuit and, and what pursuit means in this situation in, in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is not something to be achieved. It's a lifestyle to follow. You, I, I go to lunch every Friday with the seniors here, and I have yet to heard one of the seniors about themselves say, I'm very wise. I think everyone should listen to me. If somebody says that to you, is your response, man, I need to listen to this person. No, right? I, I, I would hope not. If someone just says, I'm wise, darn it, listen to me. The response should be, that's a, quite a claim for someone who's wise. Um, but so if we're pursuing wisdom, this is a lifelong thing. This is not something that you can just say, well, I'll do it later or, I'll, or you know, like I'm good enough now. The wicked hear this, this idea of pursuing wisdom and their response is, I pretty much have things figured out. A wicked person might have a right under or a somewhat right understanding here and they might live with integrity consistently, but they're not following their life, they're not continuing to pursue wisdom. Our situation changes on a daily basis. Um, Jess and I are in the process, we're meeting with a financial planner. We're, we're trying to figure out next steps and how to use our finances well. We're asking for wisdom from our, my, my in-laws are here today. So, but, and so there's some, and my parents, we're, we're asking a lot of people. So they're, they look embarrassed, but I don't think so. But, um, but we're, we're asking for wisdom because if we, but we are on a double salaried income for the first time since we've been married. And if we acted now like we acted when we were at Moody and I was working 10 hours a week and Jess was working a full-time job, our finances no longer reflect that. That would be very foolish, right? Like, I mean, we, we need to follow after wisdom. It's a lifelong thing. Our situation changes. How do we wisely follow after those changes? The righteous are going to hear this and they're going to ask, where can I continue to learn and grow? 
Or how can I continue to learn and grow? The righteous are not content to stay put. I'm going to make this really tangible. We have a lot of Cubs fans in this audience, I think. Yep. Or some. Not a lot of clapping this morning. So, a lot of... But um, imagine if Theo Epstein came to a press conference um, right at the start of spring training and said, I just want to let everyone know, we're going to take it easy for 100 years. Imagine if he said, we don't need to pursue anymore. We've already done it. Right? Okay, good. I mean, I, we're already saying next year, you Cubs fans are hopefully saying that, I, right, next year, but in a much more positive tone, hopefully. But, but so this pursuit is so important. It's, we're in our lifetime, if we want to follow a righteous path, if we want to raise up a righteous generation, if we want to contribute to the rise of the righteous, we need to recognize that in our lifetime, it's going to take our lifetime to do that. We can't stop short. Now we come to our final unit here. When the wicked increase, transgression increases, but the righteous will look upon their downfall. And an unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, but the one, but, I can't read it through present, whose way is straight is an abomination to the wicked. Um, And then we've got our verses in here in the middle. Now I want to tell you um, that all I wanted to preach on when I started preparing was where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. And I was just going to start at this point. But as I studied it, I realized if I want to model right values and right understanding of how we should look at God's word, I, I need to start it with this. I need to show you this whole big idea because I can't get to this last point unless I start with understanding. And, and then you can't have understanding unless you, or understanding needs to lead to integrity, which needs to lead to a lifelong pursuit of wisdom. And finally, in this unit, there, there's one last thing going on, and it starts, uh, the first verse, discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. And, and so this is the positive side, because what is discipline? It's not very fun. Um, when, if you're a kid in here, when you get disciplined, you probably don't enjoy it a whole lot. But parents, you understand that disciplining is so important. You need to shape your child. You need to help them learn. And, and when you have those hard conversations now, when you have those negative things happening right now where you have to discipline, the end goal is for in the future, you want them to see why they should do this in the future, and then you'll have rest and it'll bring delight to your heart. Parents, I pray that for all of you, that someday you'll look at your kids and they will be a delight to your heart. But on the other side of this, if you don't discipline, whoever pampers his servant from childhood will in the end find him his heir. Um, the, the idea here is a very, it's a very sarcastic thing. Um, so the idea is, you know, you know the expression, um, you, is it you made the, Oh, I just forgot the expression. Um, you made the bed, you lie in it. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's this expression. It, it's, if you're not going to discipline your kid uh, or your child, then, then someday in the future when you look at your child and say, what is going on here? The response is, this is your heir. This is what you did. This is the bed you made, so now lie in it. This, that's what's happening with this unit. And all the other verses point to this. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. The idea of this verse, prophetic vision, refers to the Lord speaking. Um, the, 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 the word here is when the Lord spoke to the prophets and sent them to speak to the people. And so parents, if you, if you want to discipline your children, you need to listen to the Lord speak and you need to make sure your children see that. Because if they don't, they're going to cast off restraint. A much 
the cast off restraint word here, a, a much better word for that is they're going to run wild. Um, this word is the exact same word. When Moses goes up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments and the people are all sitting around at the base and say, we better worship a cow. That's, that's the language being used here. But blessed is he who keeps the law, keeping the law, guarding the law. The, the one who looks at the teachings and principles of God, who seeks them out, who continually pursues them, is going to be able to keep the people, the people that are in their sphere of influence, they're going to be the ones that can keep them from running wild. And so the big idea here is modeling. And not the kind of modeling that I do in my spare time, but the type of modeling that comes from when your children are watching you and they see what you do and, and they learn from it. The, the kind of modeling, if you're, if you're someone who you're like, I don't have kids, I'm not a leader, it, it's still the kind of modeling when, when you go into a small group and, and the, the leader says, how many of you read this week? Or the leader asks the questions, modeling by listening, modeling by responding, modeling by doing right. That, that modeling, you may not think you're in a position of influence, but when you model well, it increases the, or it leads to the increase of the righteous. The, the wicked are going to hear this and say, my way is right, do it my way. The, the wicked hear this and they don't think, how do I model this? The wicked hear this and say, I'm going to tell everyone what to do and they need to do it. Which isn't modeling. What, what you need to be thinking here and what the righteous hear this and ask, is how can I live to help others desire these values? Parents, it's one thing to, as your kids get older, you probably help them set a budget. It's one thing to help them set a budget. It's another thing to help them understand why they need a budget. Right? It's one thing to say, hey, don't speed. It's another thing to model not speeding, it's, which is a hard one. That was a bad example to use. Um, but... But you get what I'm saying. If, if you tell, you know, if you tell your kids, hey, don't speed, and then every time they get in the car with you, you're flying around, what do you think they're going to do until they get a ticket? Um, they're probably going to do that. Kids, if you're here and you're like, my parents speed so I can speed, that's not what I said. Um, but modeling is so important. And, and so when we look at this whole idea, we start with understanding. Understanding the, our, our integrity needs to be informed by that right understanding. And then we need to be in continual pursuit. And finally, we need to be modeling. Because it's not just enough to live this way. We have to show others how to live this way. And now I go back to the warning. Because remember, in Proverbs, a warning like that, you're looking at the before and the after. If you hear this and think you don't need to change, you are leading others down a path that leads to wickedness. You're contributing to the rise of the wicked. And if you hear this and de- decide to wait for later, it may be too late when you realize the results of wicked modeling. There, there have been times in my life where I've had parents come in and we've talked and they've realized something about their kids that they wish that they had done differently and it's too late for them to show it different. This is something that starts now. This, this idea, this intentional walk, you don't have to do it perfectly, but it's something that needs to start now. I had a professor at Moody that uh, he used to always say, who you are now is who you'll be in five years. And that's, that's really powerful. It's really simple, but it's really powerful because and for kids in here, you think five years ago and you were maybe in like elementary school or maybe not no, you were born because you maybe were one. But, but the, the idea behind this, especially as you get older, is you'll start to see in yourself things that, that there are times I'm like, why am I like this? I don't want to be like this. And I'm like, wow, I was like this five years ago. 
if we don't intentionally do things to change. On the other side of that, those things that you model that you think you should change but don't do anything to change, five years from now, you might see that in your children. You might see that in those around you. So now we're going we're gonna to end with something kind of fun, or at least I think it's fun. Um, we have a flowchart for discipleship on the back. Um, and this, this all comes right from the text. And so I want to illustrate this to you in a very tangible way. And I want to tell you this flowchart um, is something that I would encourage you as we do it um, to think through and in the future to think through. If you, are, if you are thinking, like Jess and I are thinking about our finances right now, if we want to be righteous with our finances, we need to ask all these questions. If you're thinking about your parenting or a specific issue, if, if your children are in a lot of activities and you're wondering, are we doing the right thing? I would consider you to run it through this. Are we, are we under, do we have a right understanding, right integrity, a right pursuit, and right modeling? And so here's, here's what this looks like. So, sorry, the first question is, do I want to walk a righteous path? Now, if you answer no to that question, you can stop paying attention right now. Um, but if you answer yes... Um, the first step is understanding. Does my understanding begin with a biblical worldview or a view that the Bible is, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge? Where do we get a fear of the Lord? From reading his revealed word. Um, if, if your answer, if you're a righteous person, you're going to ask, what is the path I should walk? And you're going to say, yes, I want to have, I want to walk along this path. The wicked, again, are going to hear this and they're going to say, my path is right, is the right one for me. If, if you don't have the right understanding and don't want to have it, the, the end result, it's right down at the bottom. Whether intentional or not, you are contributing to the rise of the wicked. And so we, we move on to the next step. Uh, integrity. It does, my, does understanding consistently inform my character? Again, this is not about perfection, but this is about where we mess up, confessing and repenting. It's about moving on from our wickedness and not allowing our wickedness to take over. And the, the righteous person is going to ask about their integrity. Where is sin compromising my character? The wicked say, just focus on what I am doing well. The, the wicked say, I'm doing enough right. We don't need to focus on what I'm doing wrong. Whether intentional or not, you are contributing to the rise of the wicked if that's how you answer that question. This next unit, pursuit. Do I con- consider right living a lifelong journey? Do I pursue wisdom? The, the righteous hear this and ask, where can I continue to learn and grow? The, the wicked say, I pretty much have things figured out. If, if you don't think that this is a lifelong journey, then whether intentional or not, you are contributing to the rise of the wicked. I know this seems negative, and it kind of is, but I want to encourage you that this should make you want to think about this more. Modeling. This last one, am I living and modeling with the future in mind? The, the righteous hear this and ask, how can I live to help others desire these values? The righteous don't just say these are right values. The righteous show others how to live out these values. Where the wicked say, my way is right, do it my way. And, and we get to the bottom. And if you've, if you've followed intentionally after righteousness and all of these, you are intentionally working towards the rise of the righteous. But if you're willing to stop short on any of these steps, intentional or not, you're contributing to the rise of the wicked. What you're modeling is going to wind up being wicked. Now, we started with a question. Um, Am I modeling righteousness or am I modeling wickedness? Do my actions show others a path worth walking down? 
Do my actions lead others down a destructive path? Um, I want to read, I'm going to close with this. I want to read that it's Proverbs 29:27 says, An unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, but one whose way is straight is an abomination to the wicked. The, the last idea of this unit, and as we talk about this flowchart, the last idea, it's not that we live it out perfectly, but, but the idea here, an unjust man is an abomination to the righteous. Um, the word abomination, it's, it's like magnets. You know when you put the same polarity of magnets together, they just push away? The, the word abomination is, is this idea that they, they can't be together. They, they cannot coexist. They, they can't connect together. And, and so if, if you're an unjust person, if you're a person who follows after wickedness, if we model wickedness, whether intentional or not, the righteous will not follow. And, and it's really important to note as we talk about this that, that what this is saying isn't that if someone's righteous that they won't follow you. you. You may have a child that you may say, wow, my kid is doing so many things amazing. My, my kid is following after the Lord in ways that excite me. My, my kid is almost a, maybe a better Christian than me. But, but if you think that your child is righteous and so they won't follow you, the reality is if we model wickedness, it's not that the righteous will not follow, it's that those who follow will not follow in righteousness. So, so that means that we need to be intentionally not modeling wickedness because those who follow, if we're modeling wickedness, are going to follow a path that's not righteous. But, but if we model righteousness, if one whose way is straight is an abomination to the wicked, if we model righteousness, the wicked cannot follow. And what's that, what that means is that those who follow will follow down the path of righteousness. Again, these are principles. They're not promises. But if we want to be a, a church, if we want to be a community, if you want to be a family that helps contribute to the rise of the righteous, that if we want to be a disciple-making culture that is discipling righteous followers of Christ, it starts with our personal modeling. Because if we model righteousness, the people coming here are not going to be people who follow after wickedness. And the people who come here may start off wicked, but they're going to follow the path of righteousness. I, I say all this and we talk about modeling for future generations, righteous modeling for future generations. I want to encourage you all that, that as, we, as we close this up, I, I, want to, I want to be a part of a church. The, Springbrook has been around 20 years, which is amazing. And, and my hope and prayer is that 20 years from now, the discipleship pathway and the, the steps that we're taking now, the intentional steps that we're taking now, 20 years from now we see a new generation that has risen up and follows a righteous path. I, I want this to be something that, until the Lord Jesus comes, that we've built a righteous culture here, a culture of disciple-making, a righteous culture of disciple-making, that in the future, people will want to follow after. A, a, a place where when we invite our friends in, we know that if they're struggling, if they're on a wicked path, that we can help turn them. We, we want to be a church like that. I want to be at a church like that. That's my prayer for our church, is that we are a church that is making this righteous culture. I, I want to encourage you, take this home. If you, if you made any New Year's resolutions, maybe just run them through this. See, see your understanding. Where you're, you're lacking understanding, go, go search that out. But, but I want to encourage, especially parents. I, I come up here and I, I want to tell you that what you're modeling is one of the most important things your child is going to see. And so if you are on that path of righteousness, they may seem like they're not doing well right now, but you're going to help them move. You're going to lead to the rise of the righteous. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word and for how amazing it is, for just all of the, the things that you've given us, how you've revealed yourself. Um, and we, we pray today as we 
close out, uh, I, I lift up our congregation. I, I pray that we would be a place that would model righteousness. I, I pray that we would be a people that would have a righteous culture. We would have a culture where the righteous are increasing and not the wicked. We, we pray um, for all the families here. We, we, I, I pray that, that parents and families would be lifted up by these messages, that our church would be a ministry that would help them live righteously at home, and that we as a congregation would be able to build into each other that, again, that our culture would just be righteous. We pray for the pathway. Um, we have a righteous model for discipleship here, and we pray that we would intentionally walk down that path together. I pray for those on the fence right now about that idea that they, they would come to see it and realize, I want to walk down this righteous path. I want to contribute to the rise of right, the righteous here in Huntley, here in Illinois, and here at Springbrook. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the gift you've given us that we can't earn the righteousness that gets us to you, but he also gave us a model of righteousness that we can live out here on this earth. It's in your name we pray. Amen.